Well, aloha from Maui, Hawaii. It's Michael Benner with this week's Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. Nice to be with you. It's uh, 1 o'clock in the afternoon Pacific, still 10 in the morning here in Maui. That's 4 o'clock East Coast time and 20 hours Universal time. Today we're going to conclude our mini-series, our six-part program called The Fly Training, F-L-Y stands for feeling like yourself. And uh, this is peak performance. Let me review them for you. The first that we did six weeks ago was on self-love. We talked about what does it mean to love yourself in a non-egoic kind of a way. How do you love yourself but avoid thinking of yourself as superior or for that matter, inferior. The secret, of course, to self-love is to find out what's unique and incomparable about yourself, which is true. First of all, you've got fingerprint evidence and DNA proof of your uniqueness, which means you could not be better than in all regards or inferior to in all regards. Anybody else, you're just unique. You're just one of a kind. The odd little irony there is congratulations, you're unique, just like everybody else. (laughs) Then we talked in the second week about healing childhood hurt. What do we do about those false assumptions that we made as kids about being inadequate or just bad or wrong? You know, mom and dad says... Your behavior is bad, and we take that very personally as little kids. Uh, Sometimes mom and dad are not that, shall I say, discreet, and they say clearly, no, you are bad. Not only was your behavior bad, you are bad. And um, again, we take that literally. Sometimes we repress the memory, and yet it continues to affect us throughout our lives. So in lesson two, we talked about how to heal that childhood hurt. Lesson three in the FLY program was about managing and really healing again your current hurt. This was a lesson in emotional intelligence in dealing with negative, hurtful, upsetting feelings as they occur to you, recognizing that in each case they are symptoms of what you don't know about yourself in your daily life and affairs, and how to avoid the judgment that, again, often comes down on the negative side. You know, I must be, these are the secret discussions we have with ourselves and most people never share with others. The degrading, self-loathing, self-critical arguments that go on inside our heads. And rarely do people really sit down and think about who is arguing with who when I have this internal ambivalence, these discussions with myself. You're really horrible. You're so stupid. No, I'm not. I'm really a good person. Yeah, but you screwed that up. Did you forget about this? Yeah, but I'm really trying hard. Well, that's just not good enough. And (laughs) giving you a little insight into my own uh, discussions. But 
seriously, I've worked with enough people, hundreds and hundreds of people over the years to know that we all share that self-loathing. It's our egoic nature. It's the part of us that most people think they are, but which is merely the survival part, the egoic self that identifies with the negative because it's fear-based. It's survival-oriented. So it's always criticizing you and beating you up. And turns out more often than not, because of the high stress levels we operate in, that voice is just a whole lot louder and more demanding than the still small voice of the higher self that tends to whisper the more positive love-based affirmations. No, you're really good. You can do it. Go on in there. Give it a try. Nobody's got exactly what you've got. Why don't you go for it? Nothing ventured, nothing gained, that kind of stuff. And then last week uh, and the week before, we talked about problem-solving and decision-making in Lessons 4 and 5, divided all of our problems up into two categories based on do I know what I want. And we talked about how most people ask the wrong question. When facing a problem, we tend to say, "Uh uh-oh, now what do I do? What am I supposed to do about this? Hey, what do you think I should do? I don't know what to do. And, of course, the example that I used repeatedly, maybe too often, but I'm trying to drive home the point, is you could have all the maps and atlases and GPS systems and compasses that you could – triptychs, there you go. Who uses triptychs? All of that stuff, and if you don't know where you're going – then you could not possibly know how to get there. You see, that's obvious enough if you think of roadmaps. Well, before somebody can tell you directions, how do you get there, we need to have a sense of what there is. And yet in school, were we not told that once you know the solution, the problem is solved? Of course we were. And that there's only one right answer? Sure. And how you get to the answer is not important. What's important is only that you have the right answer. Well, the real world doesn't work that way, and we have lots of problems in our lives in which we know the right answer. Oh, I I definitely know the solution or the goal or the outcome or desired result that I'd like to obtain or create or manifest or or get to, I'm, my problem, I'm, I'm just not sure how to do it. What's the strategy for getting there? Because I don't have enough money, or I don't know the route. I don't know who to talk to. I don't know the right people. I, I can't figure out how to fill out the forms. <laughs> There's all kinds of situations where we know what we want, but the problem is getting it or getting there or making it happen. We talked about two practical techniques that you can use to speed your growth toward a desired outcome in lesson number four of the FLY program, Problem Solving. And then, if you have the only other kind of problem that you would realize, if you ask yourself the question, not what do I do, but do I know what I want? See, instead of what will I do, what should I do? You say, do I know what I want? And 
If, as I just said, the answer is yes, then here in Lesson 4 are two techniques, the Mirror of the Mind and the It Works book, for getting what you want now that you know what it is. But if the answer is no, I don't know what I want, my God, it might be right here in front of me, the solution. Uh, I, I just don't know. I have no idea. For some people, this is the more common problem. Then we need to make some choices. We need to recognize that we have more choices than are apparent to us and use not only logic but creative thinking and most importantly, that quality of emotional intelligence, sometimes called the sixth sense, which is best known as intuition. Though sometimes called insight or inspiration or revelation or epiphany or the aha experience, eureka illumination, uh, messages from the almighty God in heaven above or Jesus told me or my Buddha nature or the higher self or my guardian angels or whatever. And we provided in lesson five last week three different techniques for making decisions for that second kind of problem when you really have no idea what you want. That's why you don't know what to do because you don't know what you want. So we did that in four and five. And now today, lesson six of six in the fly series is peak performance. And we're going to talk in the premium training that follows in about 20 minutes in depth, in fact, I've got, I don't know how I'm going to shoehorn it all in. I'm just going to go really fast. It's going to be a very powerful lesson. We're going to talk about peak performance in areas of sports psychology, in scholastics and academics, in other words, school and learning. How do we accelerate the learning process and enhance understanding? Is that not also, like sports psychology, a matter of peak performance. And then we'll touch a little on even artistic performance. So peak performance in each of those areas, in sports psychology, in school and academics, and also artistic performance. Okay, But I also would like to talk a little bit, time permitting, about how the metaphor that runs through these areas of peak performance can even be applied to physical pain management and immune system augmentation or accelerated healing. This is an area that has interested me for many years since I learned to use so-called hypnoanesthesia at the dentist and then applied it to injury and illness when needed. And it's a very effective and powerful set of techniques. And the understanding that runs through that is part of the same metaphor. How do you gather it together, draw on your maximum potential, and be the best that you can be? I know the military sort of stole that line. <laughs> it's such a great line. I hate to see it applied to the military. Be all that you can be. Be the best that you can be. The military may not be the best place for you to be all that you can be. Uh, certainly not in my opinion anyway. But uh, I, I think it's a great line nevertheless. you got to give them credit for co-opting the phrase. So in what area, uh, whatever area of your life 
uh, you'd like to consider it. In all areas, be the best that you can be. Peak performance, that's our topic for the day today. And uh, I want to save a little bit of time for a relaxation exercise here in the free forum. And remind you, if you have a question or a comment and you'd like to ask, because we're real time and doing this as a webinar, you can use the text box on the website in front of you. It's in the lower left. Just be sure and click the submit button after you add your comment, your name, at least your first name and your city. And then I'll be able to see that. And if you're on the telephone, well, most people are way too bashful, but I can unmute calls one at a time. If you're on the phone or Skype and press star two on your touchpad, that'll indicate that you're raising your hand and I can call on you that way. About 95% of our listeners are not here live, but listen to the streaming replay or the podcast on demand. And that's okay, but it means that we have to have a really, really big audience in order to have enough people live to do the discussions that I'd like to do in the future. So we're hoping for that. We have had participants, people who are not so bashful on the phone. And certainly if uh, you want to consider the text messages an alternative, you can do that too. Well, it was the early 1970s, really, when the Eastern Bloc, so-called Eastern Bloc, the countries behind what used to be called the Iron Curtain, amazed the world at the Olympics with some breakthroughs in track and field, in uh, indoor sports like weightlifting, in swimming, and the field of sports psychology was born. And sports psychology has a couple of key concepts that I'd like to share with you here in the free forum. There are hundreds and hundreds of really good books on the topic. Sometimes they're referred to as, oh, Tim Galloway was one of the original books, The Inner Game, in which he talked about uh, golf. And then there was How to Improve Your Tennis Game, Your Inner Game with relaxation and visualization and using concentration through relaxation. That's one of the big keys. Most people who are not very athletic think of concentration as an effort. And of course, concentration or mental focus, the ability to maintain your attention without distraction, is really a relaxation skill. So you'll see the best athletes, whether professional or amateur or Olympic, always shaking it off, doing all kinds of little techniques to relax, to shake it off, to, as the surfers used to say, hang loose, brah. And that's the key, right, to stay loose. And you might think that to get power or coordination in sports and athletics. You need muscular tension, but just the opposite is true. So the mental side of the game, the concentration, and the power and the grace and the coordination, all of these skills require the same thing, that you relax and free yourself of muscular tension. This is one of the core concepts. And so if you're too relaxed, too 
how shall we say, lackadaisical or laissez-faire, if you just don't care, you're not going to perform very well. But if you're too stressed, if you try too hard, if you worry and think negatively, you're going to be mentally distracted, you're going to be emotionally upset and disturbed, and physically carrying too much tension to deliver with the power and the coordination, and I should say the endurance also, that you're going to need. So we have a bell-shaped curve then. Can you imagine a bell-shaped curve? Remember that from school when you were graded on the curve, right? And there were really few A's and very few F's and then B's and D's. There were a few more of those, but mostly people got C's. That's the bell-shaped curve. And you have that in sports psychology or any aspect of peak performance where on the approach to that curve, as you want to peak performance, you want to psych up. You want to be positive and goal-oriented with a high level of expectation and make an effort to do the best that you can do. But then there is a point of diminishing return along the x-axis where if you continued to get psyched up, to try harder and harder, to make that effort, your performance then begins to go downhill on the other side. You've passed that point of diminishing return. On the upside of that bell-shaped curve, we call stress eustress as it builds, E-U stress, which means good stress. That's, again, psyching up. I remember it, when I was a young guy, Reggie Jackson, we called him Mr. October because while he played well during the regular season, it was the pressure of the playoffs and the World Series where he really woke up and did – he was Mr. October. He did really, really well at the end of the season. He liked the pressure. He did well. He did better and better with that pressure. But some people cave. They clutch. They just go to pieces under too much pressure. They've passed that point of diminishing return. And that excessive stress, of course, is what most people think of as stress or distress. So you have good stress and bad stress. U stress, E-U stress, and distress. And usually when people say stress, meaning anxiety or muscular tension or worry, doubt, nervousness, negative thinking, usually the word stress is a reference to distress. Right? But I want you to know there is a good degree of stress. It's all a matter of degree. Like everything else in the world, truth is a relative thing. It's a sliding scale. It's always a matter of degree. It's one of the most important concepts you can learn as in somebody who aspires to be as intelligent and effective as possible is give up your belief in absolutes. Everything or nothing, all this, all that, the one right way, leave that to the spiritual realm. Perhaps God in heaven is the absolute, the one life itself would be 
to a philosopher or an educated woman or man, the only absolute. But in the world, things are relative. So you can't tell me, it's impossible to tell me, at what point cold becomes hot or when does warm become too warm. It depends. It's, <laughs> it's a matter of degree. Or the swing of the pendulum, in another sense, is a matter of degree. The sooner you can incorporate that into your critical thinking, the better off you're going to be. All truth is relative truth in the world. So this is the way it is with stress and anxiety. At what point does you stress become distress? What is the peak of that bell-shaped curve? That's one of the important concepts in peak performance, uh, particularly in sports psychology. Another core concept that we'll talk about in a little more detail in the premium training that follows is the idea of leading with a positive emotion. Most people would presume that you'd have to win the race or win the game, be victorious or accomplish something in order to feel the feeling of being a winner. But what we find is that you can conjure the feelings of being a winner. And when you use relaxation and visualization, you can rehearse in your mind and impress the subconscious aspect of your mental nature. The root brain, if you want to use a physical model, it's really the limbic brain that needs to be impressed with the fact that you've already won. You are a winner. Before the game starts, before the firing gun goes off and the race begins, or your tennis match, or your golf game, or whatever, if you feel like a winner and you're relaxed and loose, you're going to perform better. And so there's no need to wait for the game to be over to see if you won and then judge how well you did before you allow yourself to feel the emotional feelings of success and accomplishment. This is often called the mental edge or the winner's edge or sometimes being in the flow or the zone is you act like it's a done deal. I've already won. Or at the very least, I'm going to do my best. I mean, nobody goes to the Olympics trying to get the silver or bronze medal. Some people may say, well, I'll be lucky to get a bronze, maybe the silver, but I'm going to go for the gold. Everybody goes for the gold, right? You always shoot for the center of the target. You want to hit the bullseye. Whatever score you get and whatever the nature of your improvement, you every single shot is for the bullseye. You go for the gold. You always want to try to win the game. Whether we're talking about individual sports or team sports, it doesn't really matter. Okay, So those are two of the core and key concepts in sports psychology. As I say, in the premium training that follows in a few minutes, we'll also talk about peak performance in artistic expression. We'll talk about the difference between stage fright and stage fever and how you turn oh no into oh boy. The very same feelings 
constitute both stage fright and stage fever. One can make you sick and degrade your performance, and yet the very same feelings properly experienced when you know how to manage those very same butterflies, they can fly in formation. <laughs> and you can actually improve your performance with the feelings that if mismanaged or not managed at all can destroy a performance. And, and we've all seen that from time to time. We'll also talk again a little bit about academics, scholastics, accelerated learning, peak performance in terms of overcoming test anxiety and such. And I'd like to touch on pain control, as I said, physical, emotional too, but we sort of did the emotional pain control in uh, the first few sessions in in lessons two and three of this mini-series. But uh, physical pain management and immune system augmentation or accelerated healing, all of this is part of peak performance. So, I think it's worth your while to get on over if you haven't enrolled yet to theagelesswisdom.com. On the splash page, you'll see a button that says Michael's Webinars. That'll take you to a gateway page. The free forum, this class, the archives are on the left. And on the right, it says Premium Training. If you click on that button, you'll be able to register in like 60 seconds with your bank card, your ATM card, credit, debit, however you work things out. And the thank you page will have the URL for the premium training and the password. And hold on to that so you can listen to it, replay on demand, as well as live over and over again and again. Let's do a uh, little visualization exercise while we still have a few minutes. And uh, I want to say hello to the people that uh, are online. I see... uh, Carol from La Habra is saying hello on the text box. And Bill in Memphis, Tennessee is also online. He wants to say howdy. And we have quite a few others also that are just saying hello, but no real comments or questions. And hope we can meet you over in the premium training again. TheAgelessWisdom.com. The W's dot TheAgelessWisdom.com. Click on webinars and then premium training. And the thank you page, once you enroll, will have the URL and the password you need. So close your eyes for just a second and think of a performance. It might be your golf game or your tennis game. It might be some pickup basketball game. Maybe it's uh, your guitar playing, your piano playing, or singing. Maybe it's acting. It could be any area of your life, school, learning, where you find that you study for a test, but then you tend to clutch in the test and you have this performance anxiety. Close your eyes and imagine yourself doing really well. That means you have to set the critical, logical reasoning off to the side. Just like when you go to a movie If a voice in your head is saying, well, it's only a stupid movie and they're only actors, you go, wait a minute, I paid 12 bucks for this. Be quiet. And you put that conscious mind into abeyance and use your imagination. And now with your eyes closed, as you breathe and relax, you want to do the same thing. Simply imagine how it feels to do really well. 
See yourself as if you were in the audience or standing off to the side in the gallery or the, or the stadium stands watching you perform your athletic feat, your sport, or your particular artistic performance, whatever it happens to be, and notice how well you do. And then experience that same success and sense of accomplishment from within yourself, feeling in your body how it feels to do really, really well at your performance. Again, sports, academics, artistic performance. Give yourself a pat on the back and just luxuriate in the feeling of success and accomplishment of grace and elegance and how it feels to do your best and be a winner. Soak it up. Rehearse your success and use positive affirmations. Make it so. Let it be. It's a done deal. I can do it. That's it. Keep going. Then take a breath. And as you exhale, open your eyes, wide awake, feeling fine, back in the room. You can do that for 5, 10, 15 minutes, but you can also do it for 60 seconds repeatedly, even during the game or the test at school or the artistic performance, whatever. So hope you can join us at the premium training. Thanks for being with us. This program, of course, the free forum is available by podcast through the iTunes store as well. And as always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. Aloha from Maui, Hawaii. This is Michael Benner.